This week's Wrestle Kingdom preview edition of Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, is brought to you by Atmark Media online, atmarkmedia.com. We're also brought to you by our friends over at the Hameen Media Group at channelattitude.com, as well as the PW Hustle Networks, syndicated by our friends over at ndpw.com and, of course, at the Pro Wrestling Coalition. You can find Destino wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, be it Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, Apple, Google, or iHeartRadio. Also available now in video form on YouTube and Facebook. Just search Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, or visit Destino Pod. I, before we go any further with the intro, guys, I, I do want to address why Destino has been gone for a little bit of time here. I had a couple of guests lined up. We were going to do the Power Struggle review, and then it became the Wrestle Kingdom preview, and then it was the state of New Japan Pro Wrestling, the state of stardom, and those guests ended up falling through. So it kind of threw Destino into a little bit of chaos, but we are back for 2022, looking very, very forward to all of the events going on around the 50th anniversary of New Japan Pro Wrestling. On today's episode, I am joined by Noah Foster from over at NoDQ.com. We do the NoDQ review together on occasion to preview Wrestle Kingdom 16 coming up in just a couple of days from the Tokyo Dome. We also discuss the current state of affairs for both New Japan as well as recent events inside of the world of stardom. So much to talk about on this week's episode, but of course, first, our friends from Down Under. This is Knife Party. You blocked me on Facebook, and now you're going to die. Now you're going to die. So back inside of the 203 studios, it's the Wrestle Kingdom preview of Destino. And you know, I could have called in Billy Ray Valentine. I could have called in 8-Track Brown. Actually, they don't return my phone calls. I could have called in the vet. But no, I, I found myself a new friend over at the No DQ Review, Mr. Noah Foster, making his first appearance inside of the 203. Noah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am looking very forward to being a part of this platform, talking about Wrestle Kingdom. That sets up so much when it comes to Japanese professional wrestling. As New Japan Pro Wrestling celebrates 50 years of professional wrestling excellency and execution. I couldn't be more happy to be a part of this panel for the first time ever. Shout out right here from the 419 Toledo, Ohio. Great to be with you. No, it, it's funny because we did a, an episode of the No DQ review together about a week ago, and you were like, bro, I want to do a Wrestle Kingdom preview. And I was like, well, you know, I, I, I've been meaning to do a new episode of Destino. I, I talked a little bit about some of the issues that the show has been having off the top of the show, but you know, it's time to get back into it. There's no time like New Year's Eve. We've got the nice, pretty backdrop that, you know, our graphic designer put together for us. Brilliant. And 
I, I was talking with you a little bit this afternoon and everybody wants to do the Wrestle Kingdom preview episode. Like nobody wants to do like wrestling Dantaku. Everybody wants to do the, the Wrestle Kingdom preview. And so, so when you at first were like, you know, I want to do this. And I was like, all right, we'll do it. And uh, we'll kind of see what this guy knows when it comes to New Japan Pro Wrestling and the world of stardom. And throughout the course of this week, we've had a few interactions back and forth. He's pretty knowledgeable, ladies and gentlemen. I like it. He even watches stardom. I like it. So before we jump into Wrestle Kingdom proper, we're just going to run through the first two shows because, you know, screw Noah. I, I no, no, I, I, I don't mean Noah. I, mean Noah <laughs> I, get, I get that all the time. <laughs> For those that don't know, my name is Noah Foster. <laughs> Night three was supposed to be pro wrestling Noah versus New Japan pro wrestling. That's kind of what they're giving us, but there's a lot of people like myself very, very unhappy with the way they put this card together. No, where are you with night three of Wrestle Kingdom specifically? Do you watch much pro wrestling Noah? Like, I feel like they had the chance to do something really, really cool. And instead, they're just giving us a bunch of six man, eight man, ten man tags. And it's just, it's disappointing. I I will say to a degree I have kept up with pro wrestling wrestling Noah mostly through a friend I know on Twitter shout out to uh, Elizabeth but moreover I watch New Japan Wrestling and Stardom but I'm aware of names like Go Suzuki Kaiji Muto was definitely was a big pop for me seeing him uh, return and of course one I've always followed for the longest time Mara Fuji when I saw this card I was because the press conference it led me to believe so much. Three incredible singles encounters, including one I've always wanted to see with Lanamega, Kasuchiko, Okada, and Kajimuto. Nope! Instead, we get some sort of tag team match. So, when I saw this card, it was a big, big, big letdown of expectations for me. I mean, they could have did Kenta versus Minoru Suzuki. Both men have incredible history of professional wrestling, Noah, and honestly, that's where my pro wrestling Noah fandom uh, first started because those are two of my all-time uh, favorites. Shout out to the King of Pangrace. And they could have did like a one-on-one versus them, but no, they couldn't do that. I mean, Minoru Suzuki faced a Sugabara. I know I'm going to screw up some names, back at uh, Wrestle Kingdom one year, and that match, even though Suzuki won, he freaking had an ice bag on his arm. Nobody's pushed Suzuki that hard in a long time. I would have loved to see that one when we visited. There was so much potential in ways that could have gone here. Instead, it's tag team warfare. I get it. I understand a precipice of New Japan Pro Wrestling when it comes to setting up stuff, maybe for the future, is tag team wrestling. But on the biggest stage of them all, when you're doing brand warfare, literal brand warfare, this is where you should have pulled all the stops. Yep. I was not very happy to see this match card. <laughs> completely agreed completely agreed hell i even would have been happy with tanahashi versus muto uh that happened 12 years ago was the last time those two guys had a singles match and it's like eh, it's about time if it's going to happen again yeah let's know? revisit it why not to both men still going <laughs> absolutely and they're both so good like what they have lost in speed and, and agility and flexibility they've gained in in-ring knowledge and how to captivate an audience they're both just so good still yeah, it's unbelievable when you think about how far your body can go versus how strong your spirit can take you. And Tanahashi, Kaiji Mudo, two names in professional wrestling history that symbolize that so deeply. And I would have loved to see a one-on-one with them revisit it, too. They could have did that. Between both of those guys, there's not one good knee. Between no, both no of them. There, there isn't. It's, it's cartilage on bone. And I was really looking forward to go versus Okada. Lariat versus Lariat. We know the Rainmaker, but hey, can Gold's Lariat overcome that? Again, so many different ways that could have gone besides this tag team showcase. 
So let's talk a little bit of New Japan kind of as an overview. 2021 has been kind of a weird year for New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think yes. we all kind of concede that. Um, and when they booked three days worth of Wrestle Kingdom shows, I think that they thought that the world that we are in in January is going to be very different than the one that we're actually going to exist in. Um, what is kind of your state of New Japan Pro Wrestling at this point, Noah? Because, I mean, I'm still very, very invested in the project, but of course we've lost a lot of the, the Western audience to all elite wrestling. We've seen plenty of talent go to the WWE, like AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. New Japan kind of in a weird rebuild phase, and they can't do it without Gaijin talent. It's like all homegrown, like Tatsuya Naito finally got what he wanted. We're not focused on world expansion at this point. It's all Japanese pro wrestling. Yeah, at this point, New Japan Pro Wrestling has been in the rebuild stage ever since the end of Wrestle Kingdom 13. That was the end of those names you mentioned, like the Young Bucks, like Kenny Omega, and then the list goes on from there with the rise of All Elite Wrestling. What I can say about All Elite Wrestling, they at least respect New Japan Pro Wrestling, what they stand for and what they offer. They're, that's the only reason you have the guys like John Moxley and Lance Archer and Yuji Nagata, Satoshi Kojima, and Minoru Suzuki show up on turf outside New Japan Pro Wrestling. But that being said, New Japan Pro Wrestling has been really trying to redefine themselves from the ground up with all their homegrown talent. I mean, when you look at the rise of the six-man Never Overweight Championships, this new concept of KLPW trying to expand beyond tradition and then trying to rewrite history into a new form with a title that merges two of the all-time greatest belts ever in professional uh, wrestling. It's been a weird couple of years to say the least, but as far as 2021 goes, uh, the first half of it, it did seem a little odd, but it, especially with the first Wrestle Kingdom where fans were not necessarily audible, but they were still, you know, somewhat, you heard them, but it was not the same type of energy reaction, or I felt like full investment they wanted to bring that I'm used to hearing so much. And of course, this was also another two-day Wrestle Kingdom. I'm so used to Wrestle Kingdom just being uh, one night. Then you move on from there with the New Japan Cup, and you see the rise of an empire, and Will Ospreay going from the guy that wants to kill himself for wrestling, the guy that thinks he can't be killed in pro wrestling. You have the Western expansion with New Japan, which I think is another aspect that they're trying to use as grown talent because we've seen the crossovers there, especially with uh, Bullet Club. And New Japan Strong has some great stuff this year. I personally would love to see Tom Lawler involved on the actual uh, New Japan side uh, this coming uh, year. Then you look at, you know, um, we talk about New Japan Cups, Kura Genesis, where Kota Ibushi's vision was too much for him to bear. And it, you could just literally talk a choreography history of New Japan Pro Wrestling, since I watch it wholeheartedly. G1 Climax, there were so many different ways I wanted it to go, and then I understand how phenomenal this final could have been, but then that happened, and I was like, oh, jeez. We had Dantaku. We had Summer Struggle. They went back outside once again. We went back to Tokyo Dome outside the fourth. We brought Stardom to the mainstream, to the audience. Not dark. I love that, by the way. Two nights in a row at the MetLife Dome. So overall, New Japan Pro Wrestling, they've definitely been in a new state, I feel, of restructuring. But overall, it's still given us the best you could possibly hope for in professional wrestling. With two nights of Wrestle Kingdom, not a whole lot of time to talk about what's going on inside of the world of stardom. But we did just have the match of the year. No surprise. Utami yeah. and Kiri pissed 
absolutely destroy, man. Like those two women, they say, you know, styles make fights and, and you have the right chemistry with the right person on the other side of the dance. You can make something special. They have had a trilogy of matches. I will put up against any trilogy over the course of 2021. Stardom has really elevated themselves to be a player. New Japan obviously led all of Japan in attendance. Uh, Dragon Gate number two this year. And right behind Dragon Gate, the world of stardom. They outdrew Noah, outdrew all Japan. I mean, like, they are becoming a real player. And I firmly believe stardom is my promotion of the year for 2021. I definitely can see where you're going there. Again, stardom going into their 11th year as uh, their uh, sensei just put out a tweet and is looking forward towards the uh, year to come and thanks all the fans. And we did see Queedom. We saw the emotional investment of a great one now that's going to step away from the ring. Never end. Thank you, Konami. We saw future champions. We got new uh, world of stardom champion, wonder of stardom uh, champion, and future of stardom champion. And I look at the progression of certain talent there that I fought for a long time, like Starlight Kid, the first, might I add, wonder of stardom champion. Now look at her as the high-speed champion in this dark force in Oriental Tide that's been through so many changes. It's best unbelievable. Best character of the year. I think the, the progression I agree. of uh, SLK this year has been incredible. And look at what she done. She changed Momo Watama. This is the same woman that has the same inspiration in Kota Abushi that turned on her group Queen's Quest to join Oedo Tai, and now she's the Black Peach. And I find that very interesting for two reasons. Momo Watanabe is one of my favorites in stardom ever, bar none. She, to me, has one of been the top tier stars. Personally, one of my favorite uh, future or wonder of stardom champion. You know, the secondary belt, the white belt. I might confuse them, folks. I'm, I'm just talking. I'm so, my apologies. But that being said, when she turned, I felt that it really was a change for her that she needed, that yeah. I think she felt she needed. Because for the longest time, we all felt Momo Watanabe should be at the top of stardom if you all been following her as long as I have. And she never got, like, you know, that praise that I feel like support or that chance to really be there. Instead, her tag team partner in Queen's Quest, well, former, I guess now, Utami, she's been one of the best World of Stardom champions since Io Shirai, in my opinion. And as you said, they brought out the trilogy of women's professional wrestling this year. And with how driven Donna Del Mundo's uh, series was to finally get that red belt holding the SWA belt as well. This was the love note to women's professional wrestling. I needed to end my 2021. An absolute amazing show. Momo Shopai, no more. Momo <laughs> Shopai, no more. Come on. I, 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 I like it. Um, I always felt like Momo was the de facto leader of Queen's Quest. Same. But now like, it's Asume, I imagine. But, but she has fallen to where she was the third or fourth most interesting member inside of her own faction with the rise of Utami and the and Sayakamatani and as well as AZM. Um, I, I think Azumi is just like out of this freaking world. I, if, if there is a woman on the stardom roster, that's going to be the next Asuka, that's going to be the next EO Shirai and break into the American market. I really think it's Azumi. Of course, you know, it helps that she's like 18 and has been a professional wrestler for six years. I mean, um, to, to be fair, that's the state of most of the professional wrestlers in the entire stardom roster. True. Just saying. <laughs> and it's incredible to me that they're still putting out this incredible product. And that roster is so young. 
It really is. And even with the changing in and out of talents, you might uh, remember that once there. Chris Wolf, Tony Storm, yep. Piper Niven, Michael Satamora, the list goes on and on that have gone to other places. Jamie Hayter, for example. Uh, Kylie Hojo, will she return is another uh, question. Again, well, the list goes on and on. This company keeps on rotating and elevating when it comes to the level of women's professional wrestling you get right there. And again, there are so many names, but I've always been personally a fan of uh, Queen's Quest and Oedo Tai, those have been the factions I've followed. We've seen factions derail and devolve into other factions. And of course, Cyber Tokyo Squad, that's a standout for all time. Just going to say that right now. Stars got Cosmic Angels uh, out of that. Oedo Tai is now Oedo Tai Corpse. Then you got Donald the Mundo that came into play and just basically have turned up the game even higher, bringing in World of Women and even more styles forward in Stardom. Stardom is by far the Fastest rising promotion in Japan for me as a professional wrestling fan. And 2021, they were definitely the ones to watch. You bring up DDM, um, of course, led by the polarizing Julia. Yes. Making, making her return against Konami and Konami's departing match mm, for at good. least a brief time. Hopefully it's a very brief time. Of course, we, we kind of thought that with Kiona, too. Um, True. But Julia, I thought it was interesting looking at that appearance all the way down to the eye patch. Are, are, are we looking at a Kyrie Hojo versus Julia match in the immediate future? Because I'm down for it. I'm get, totally get, get, down for it. Bring Kyrie Hojo in your 11th year to stardom. And that totally brings your perception to the audience worldwide to a whole nother level. Because everyone remembers Kyrie Sane and what she brought forward in NXT especially. Yeah, I would love enough. to see her back in stardom. Again, you have not had that key top talent that really transcended stardom, in my opinion, since Io Shirai, who, again, had World of Stardom title twice and still to this day has the longest amount of successful defenses in a single run. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, she's not the only one. I, I have a feeling, you know, Bea Priestley might be back as a free agent in the immediate future. Maybe. Uh, you know, you can see Tony Storm. I know that she's going to get offers from everywhere in the world. Or she Tony, better. <laughs> let's go back to stardom. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's the only thing stardom is really lacking at this point. They need star power. They, they, Correct. They, the promotion is incredible. They just need a little bit of star power. God, I hope they can they, get it. They need that name that everybody recognizes in order to expand their audience. That is the biggest thing. Because, again, if the audience, the worldwide, knew what stardom brings forward, they would be the professional wrestling promotion to watch. Not just for women's professional wrestling, but overall. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's go ahead. We'll jump into night one of Wrestle Kingdom. Of course, we will talk a little bit more of night two of stardom uh, and, and the complete ball drop that they had there. Why didn't they just move Utami and Shiri to freaking Wrestle Kingdom? Like, why are we doing the stupid damn tag match? Why didn't you just move that to Wrestle Kingdom? Like, that was the match. If you were to put that match on Wrestle Kingdom, think of the eyes that would be on stardom. God, it just makes me so mad. But bar none, here's the thing. They've already done two tag matches now on NJPWRoad.com that everyone can see. Previously in a dome-based match. It wasn't even the Tokyo Dome. It was the MetLife Dome. Right. And both of those matches included 
one particular person we will talk about in that tag match. But I'm wondering, okay, you're trying to continue this whole Bushiro partnership. You're trying to bring stardom and women's Joshi Pro Professional Wrestling to the forefront now of the Western audience and Japanese audience. You're trying to make it more equal, and I respect that. But how many more tag matches do you need to bring forward now on NGWR.com before we get that big singles? Because honestly, after Utami and Siri did the freaking 60-minute draw, that right there should have been enough of a precipice that this match should have been revisited at Wrestle Kingdom, but maybe they felt like, again, people don't watch NDPW as much as Stardom, maybe vice versa. It's not like NDPW is, like, you know, advertising Stardom during, like, the little mid-breaks, and Stardom's not advertising NDPW during their mid-breaks, too. So, again, maybe that's things to come. I just hope it's not for too much longer. And with big shows like Dantaku, Dominion, I miss King of Pro Wrestling. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. And who knows what our special tours New Japan does, because you know we're going to get our big event schedule, as we always do. I really hope to see more of stardom on NJPW's platform in 2022. I mean, I'm looking at night two and, and what is booked for night two. If they would have put that match on night two of Wrestle Kingdom, might have been the best match on the show. Just saying. Uh, again, they would be robbing Okada, Shingo, and Osprey, but again, Utami alone, so I feel, can do it. So good. And Utami, get your knee better because, oy, they, after that match, I imagine Utami's. Gotta take a break. She, she's <laughs> earned it. She's earned it. Uh, like nine defenses, I think, what she went for. She lost in her nine. Yeah, she darn sure earned it. She earned it. Uh, let's start off night one. Let's talk about, you know, the gimmick of gimmicks. It's the New Japan Rambo. Oh, boy. There we go. As the Rumble. Uh, the final four will be competing night two for the KOPW trophy to see who's going to start 2022 as the king of professional wrestling. Um, you know, I, I typically, I refer to the super J cast when it comes to the KOPW because they have a standard and the standard is, did the match make me laugh? And if so, then it was a success. And if no, then it was a failure. And I I've now applied that standard to all Yano matches last year, the Rambo, it made me laugh. Yano finishes in the final four before he even gets into the ring, being the last man on his way to the ring. That was perfect. And that's how Yano weasels his way into the final four. We can't do the same thing again this year, Noah. What, what, <laughs> what do we do to make this interesting? Uh, well, I mean, he did use handcuffs when they went to the MetLife Dome. And I'm just wondering what other crazy shenanigans can Yano come up with? Yano's that wrestler that at first you're like, how is this guy as successful as he is? And then you realize, okay, this might be the funniest guy you could possibly see. Uh, he has to not come out as last First off, because you got to see him actually right. try and save his spot, one of four spots in the ring. That's the very first thing I would do. Uh, besides that, we've done everything I can think of with KOPW from darkness to drinking to body slam contests, including sandbagging, literally, and even amateur uh, wrestling. I got to imagine the only way you can go about this ramble is have Yano be involved in it, maybe from the very start, and see if he survives. Yeah, I, I almost feel like we're going to do the Road Dog Jesse James Royal Rumble spot where he comes out and he crawls underneath the bottom rope and just grabs on with his arms and his legs because you can't throw him over the top rope if you can't get a hold of him, right? Like, right, I, I, and you can't pin him or submit him. He's in the ropes, too. He's like, okay, 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 no, 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 no. But literally... <laughs> 
everybody who comes to the ring just kicks the shit out of Yano. Like, nobody yes. picks him up and throws him out, but everybody just kicks the shit out of the guy. That's Yano, the most dangerous guy. wrestler on the NJPW roster. That's the guy you need to eliminate. Period. Moru Yano, roll a motherfucker up. Just saying. That's yes, good. Stack him. Stack him. He's not the biggest guy, but stack him. Make sure he's eliminated. <laughs> I, I mean, I know we got guys like Virtue that are turning into Destino. He's not a New Japan fan, doesn't watch a whole lot, but I've talked him in to watching Wrestle Kingdom. Yano's finishing move, a low blow from behind, and a schoolboy. That's yep. right. Yano will roll a motherfucker up. Where? What happened? My monitor went out. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Kevin Kelly sells it. Kevin Kelly's awesome. Great stuff. <laughs> So we will get KOPW 2022 night two, your first official match on Wrestle Kingdom. And Noah, they are starting off with a banger. The series between these guys, 19, 11, and 22. So yeah, they've wrestled each other a couple of times. They came up as young lions together. They go and they do their excursion together, become a tag team, return to New Japan. They're the most successful junior heavyweight tag team in a very long time. And now it's R.I.P. Pongi 3K. Show and Yo are done. They are no more. And we are going to have the grudge match to kick off night one of Wrestle Kingdom. This will be insane with two junior heavyweights that are just absolutely top notch. I was surprised to see that Yo leads the series here. 19 to 11. Noah, Show is going to get the win here, right? Like the money is in Show going into 2022. I feel like for the junior heavyweight division, the money's been in show for several years, ever since he really mixed it up with Shingo Takagi. And now he's finally trying to stand out as a singles under this new identity under House of Torture. So I feel like here, if you're going to elevate your next leader of the junior heavyweight division, because show, in my opinion, is just that close to peaking from junior heavyweight to the heavyweight side. I feel Show has to get the win here, despite the history. Plus, he's going to be looking for that win back from the uh, Best of Super Juniors League because, again, it was Yo that beat Show that denied him into the finals, and it was Show trying to deny Yo from winning the finals. And even though Yo ultimately lost the end, he still pulled through an incredible 30-minute-plus match. But I feel like here we're going to get a wrench involved and Show is going to pull out a win one way or another. The thing about these two junior uh, heavyweights, too, they set the mood for the night so yeah. it's a big spot for them so i know that they can deliver based on their uh, history but as far as who needs to win this in my opinion show needs it more if they're gonna push forward show or this house of torture identity show needs the win yeah i i'm not big on the house of torture i just hope that we don't get evil and dick togo and yujiro yeah. and yoshi bon jovi and hiroki <laughs> goto and tomohiro ishii like i don't need all the house of torture crap to start off wrestle kingdom no it, it, it in the back it was overbearing when they did in the best Super Juniors uh, final. Uh, they, they need to do a true one-on-one, sell the score, but show is the guy I feel that New Japan is going to put more of the money into, so he needs to win in order to push him more forward. I have show as well. Yep, absolutely. Let's go to your second match, and now we're getting into the six-man tags. And, ah, and yes. Noah, the thing that's frustrating for me is I would rather just have one really good show than two shows that have – random preview six-man tags on it what were you with the two nights of wrestle kingdom thing because i'm pretty done with it at this point especially when it falls on like a tuesday and wednesday it worked when it was like friday and saturday but not so much tuesday wednesday ever ever since 
Ever since January 4th, okay, when I started watching Wrestle Kingdom, and the very first one I watched before I went back and watched the others was Wrestle Kingdom 8, I've always marked January 4th. That is the day for me as a professional wrestling fan I look forward to the most of the year. Now they turn it to two. In my opinion, it is overkill because now you have to fill in more spots. You have to make the shows go longer, but you also got to keep the crowd invested too. It was much simpler when they did a one-night extravaganza, nine to ten matches, done with it all. Now you have these people-type matches on the filler of night one, making night one feel less important in my opinion. Again, this six-man tag right here, it's literally a combination of two matches they're going to have night two preview of. It's overkill to me. And again, when it comes to wrestling product, one of the biggest draws, I think, is the quality of your product versus the quantity. They have the quality, but the quantity here is just too much. This match right here, I'm going to be like, okay, this is a thing. Yep. The next match is the same way as well. Right. Um, I, I, I just... I, I'm with you, and I miss the takeover format, right? Like, the, the thing that made NXT TakeOver so good was it was six incredible matches, two and a half hours, boom, you're done. And it was yep. perfect, absolutely perfect. Rocky Romero, Taguchi, and Hiroshi Tanahashi versus El Fantasmo, Taija Ishimori, and Kenta. I'm looking forward to the two matches on night two. I don't need a six-man tag on night one. Just this is just going to continue that idea of Tanahashi. Can you be as brutal as Kenta? And will the mega coaches finally get the tag gold? And more importantly, expose El Fantasmo's son and death. That's all that six man comes down to. This is about faction warfare, which again is a staple of New Japan for wrestling. This is a preview of two matches for night two that you don't need with everything you did during the road to Tokyo Dome and the video vignettes. But if I have to pick a side here, you got to think about they're also going to use this as maybe a teaser of, okay, this side won. Are they going to win tomorrow in both their matches or one prospectively? And this is Rock Romero's first match back in New Japan since who knows when because he's been involved in AEW making best friends now part of chaos. I find that hilarious. Yeah. So looking at this, I am just going to say that the faces, I'm going to say that the faces pull out the win here. Maybe sneaky style. <laughs> King of Sneaky Style, you bet. Let's go to your third matchup. And, you know, if we're going to pair people off here, uh, Noah, have you really looked at this match? I mean, because we've, we've got <laughs> Katsuya Naito and Jeff Cobb, right? Because they're going to face off night two. We've got Sonata and the great Okan. They're going to yes. face off on night two. So yes. I can only imagine that there is going to be a hell of a barn burner feud coming between Will Ospreay of the United <laughs> Empire versus Bushi. <laughs> I mean, like, that's the only logical conclusion. We're going to have a full-on <laughs> versus Will Ospreay. Pro that ain't going to happen. It's not I mean, to be fair, it was Bushi that did get a out-of-nowhere pinfall victory during a tag special over a different person, and it did lead to a feud. It just led to anger and frustration. Of course, I'm talking about Zack Sabre Jr. But this being said, again, it's one of those things where you're hyping up matches, but in this match, you know who is a fall guy. Bushi yeah, right. is going to be the fall guy here, while Naito's going to still be tranquilo, and Sonata and Great Okan are going to give us some incredible psychological warfare towards a match that's really going to be very interesting to watch. The United Empire is getting this one. Bar none. Poor Bushi. I mean, Poor Bushi. He's going to get a Stormbreaker. He's going to get a Hidden Blade. Like, I hope he brings at least three masks because Osprey's going to take one off. Just boom. Yeah, get the, get the Eliminator or the Dominator. Just 
Take him out. <laughs> oh, it's going to be rough, man. Uh, poor Pushy. Well, Rocker Romero will be happy. <laughs> yeah, there is that. There is that. King of Sneaky Style. That, it, <laughs> long-term storytelling, I'm telling you. Eventually, Rocker those Romero two are going to have a one-on-one match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, and that'll be Rocky's last match and Bushi's last match, respectively. <laughs> man. Uh, I digress. Well, I mean, but it needs to be Rocky Romero has been chasing the, the IWGP junior heavyweight title forever as Rocky yes. Romero. He's never won it as Rocky Romero. Correct. Bushi has to be the guy that takes it from him. I mean, like if Rocky wins the junior <laughs> heavyweight title, that's when you're going to get the Bushi program. Yeah, right? Exactly. Cause they're, cause they can't stand each other. <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, anyway. Fantastic. Let's go to your fourth match. This is where things start to get interesting, ladies and gentlemen. Cassatori Shibata returns. Um, now, Noah, this is interesting to me in, in a couple of respects. Um, number one, I will never forget the sound that Shibata's skull made against Okada's skull when we went <sighs> out neither. April 9th, 2017. That was the last time that we had a full-on Shibata match. Now, it has been announced this is basically going to be the same kind of rules that he had against Zack Sabre Jr. There's no striking allowed inside of these matches. Um, I, I, I guess I'm fine with it. I, I just don't, I don't want to see it. You know, like I, I'm going to be sitting on the edge of my seat for all the wrong reasons. Every time Shibata is in the ring at this point, I just, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to enjoy a Kansas Shibata match without, Oh my God, is he okay? Oh my God, is he okay? And that's going to be my, my, the biggest thing I have to conquer trying to watch Shibata again in 2021. It comes down to how do you interpret a man simply known as the wrestler, right. former never away champion. And as you alluded to that Sakura, this is this close to throwing in the rainbow and getting the IWGP world Heavyweight champion version four. Uh, that being said, yeah, this is a weird situation for me. As a fan of, you know, Jane wrestling, Matt wrestling, I, I can respect the art, but Kesuke Shibata, he's that guy that I expect you to kick him as hard as possible. He hits you harder. Why Kesuke Shibata right now is trying to, once again, break tradition and kind of like bring back the old school traditional art form of professional wrestling where it's more so based on pure rule standards, technical prowess, you know, strategy, human body manipulation. There's a reason why Jonathan Gresham put the tweet out, okay? Because Jonathan Gresham is probably the most dedicated technical wrestler of all time. So this is going to be interesting for me to watch, but I have to remember this is not never openweight Katsuri Shibata. This is Katsuri Shibata, the mat-based wrestler now. We're going to see a different aspect of the wrestler, and this is going to be a first time out man get back on our screens but will it be special and a continued thing going forward with what he brings to the ring come january 4th i'm very ambitious about this to say the least that's the best i can put towards it so november 15th we saw him square off with zach saber jr in a five minute exhibition i think this is going to be very much that same kind of concept yes but they have not announced an opponent no. Who, who do you put in the ring with Shibata for this kind of a matchup? There's only one name on this roster that stands out to me that's not already occupied, and it terrifies me, Noah. It terrifies me. It's got to be Minoru Suzuki. Yeah. 
again, the king of pancreas, this is the guy that literally wants you to hurt him, hit him harder. We saw him, what he did this year with Eddie Kingston, with John Moxley, with Brian Danielson, and that is one of my matches of the year, bar none. Uh, again, it's going to be weird, but yeah, who do you get if you don't get somebody from outside New Japan Pro Wrestling? And Minoru Suzuki doesn't have any plans. He has to be the guy, but when was the last time you saw Minoru Suzuki in a non-striking affair? We know he's more than capable, and I'm sure Katsuhiro Shibata trusts him, but I guess it comes down to how much respect Shibata and Suzuki have for each other. They're no strangers to each other, but again, this is a whole different type of match. I'm, I'm sure that they trust one another. Do we as fans trust them in a ring together and not start throwing <laughs> haymakers? That's the thing. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm scared if it's Suzuki, and I'm curious if it's Gresham because if Gresham's there, he's going to put up obviously the Ring of Honor World Championship because he's doing that with every match going forward. I just I don't think that it's going to be a Gaijin talent. I just because of the restrictions of getting into the country. I mean, I just I don't yeah. think that that's going to be the case. I mean, otherwise, yeah. I mean, you could do a Gresham, you could do a Danielson, there even Daniel Garcia. Like, there's a lot of very technical wrestlers. Daniel Garcia would actually be a great one because uh, Dan Garcia is taking on everybody this year too. And My Chibata word, could beat him, and, and and it doesn't hurt anybody involved, you know. Right. But, I mean, I just I don't know. I look at this roster. I don't know who I would trust to be put into that position and other than Suzuki, and that's terrifying. Yeah, because you can't put Suzuki and not striking in the same sentence. And Shibata without striking in the same sentence. Against Suzuki, like... Something, something tells me that Shibata is going to break this code. It's going to take the right person and mood to do it. But as long as it's not a headbutt, I think my blood pressure will be okay. Because that's the scary right. thing. If he does his head again... That could be it, because that would all him. Yeah, any kind of a head bump is terrifying. Very, yes. very terrifying. I mean, but the the whole not announcing the opponent—that's really a crazy thing. That's going to be the surprise. And again, if it's Minoru Suzuki, Lord yeah. help us. Yeah, everybody start praying. <laughs> your, your fifth match on the card: never open weight championship on the line. The de facto number two title in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Now that my my beautiful Intercontinental Championship has been retired, thirty uh, fourth champion. His first defense: Tomohiro Ishii takes on Evil and all of his Tom fuckery that comes along with it. Ishii leads this series four matches to one. Ishii has had Evil's number, but I'm not sure that we've seen these two in a singles match since Dick Togo has been part of the equation. This is why during the show and yo match, we have to keep all the nonsense in the back. Let those two guys just go out there and have their match because you know all that nonsense is going to come into play here. I expect you're going to get Yujiro. I mean, you're going to get both Goto and Yoshibon Jovi. It's, I mean, it's going to be a preview for night two in the six man championship. I, I, I just expect all kinds of nonsense during this match. I just hope that Ishii can overcome it and still give us the quality Ishii match that Ishii always gives us. Well, the thing we don't have to worry about here is what Ishii's going to bring, because he's always going to bring his best match, because you have to kill him if you're going to beat him. That is why Vichy, for example, is always my G1 MVP. That being said, this match right here, 
Destined to destroy. That is the origins of it comes to Tomohiro Ishii and Evil. And I recently watched one of my favorite matches from their saga, as you referred to, back at the new beginning, 2020. But that being said, Evil finally got a win over Ishii, using, like you said, everybody in the House of Torture possible without PETA. Uh, that being said, I really hope that this is Ishii putting away Evil because evil, this form of evil, let me, be, let me be more specific. This form of evil does not deserve to be the never open weight champion. When I think about this rugged title about bringing your best, bring your strikes, bring your best fight all on your own. Every other champion besides this form of evil basically personified that before the title lost that identity for a little while after Tanahashi and Jay White basically held on to it. So Ishii has to be my pick to win here. But again, like you said, He's got the House of Torture behind him now, and his Parade and Dick Togo, who always ruins everything, copy and paste, turnbuckle off, in the barricade. Abe-san, I hope your table's bolted down. Why have you not bolted down that table yet? Jeez! And overall, I want Ishii to knock Evil out, and Virgo drop Brainbuster him, and don't let this go longer than it needs to be. But then again, even Sonata, for example, went quite the distance, but thankfully, we had the right outcome. If they go that distance again, as long as Ishii wins, I'll be happy, because Ishii, in my opinion, if you are never going to make him, again, RIP, the Intercontinental Champion, and he's not going anywhere near the top title, he deserves to be, and he darn sure can be, a long-term, never openweight champion. I, I always loved the never title when it was the bad motherfucker division. When you, yes. you had guys, you know, that like going out there and just beating the snot out of one another. Shingo, Shibata! Suzuki, Shibata, Ishii. Uh, Dodo, Kenta, Minoru Suzuki, Togi Makabe. Trying to figure out the last match. I I mean, just let him go out there and just throw down. Exactly. Okay, give me your best fight. Give me your best shot. That's all she wants. You want to be this champion? Prove to me that you deserve it on your own, through your own strong spirit. Because that's what this title is about. This is the strong spirit title. And again, Jeff Cobb, Shingo Takagi, the list goes on and on. The BMF title, as Rocky Romero wants to happily name it, I fully am behind that. Ishii can take that into 2022. And there's already been a tease on Twitter of a match I would love to see. Imagine him taking this Neverweight title outside Japan, bringing it over here, and on New Japan Strong, you get him versus the likes of Keith Lee. I'm down for that. I'm absolutely down for that. I'd also like to, for some reason, I'd like to see Filthy Tom versus Ishii. Yes, I feel like that matchup, like Styles make fights. I think that would be absolutely fantastic, especially with the MMA background of uh, Tom Lara trying to break the Stone Pitbull down, bringing him to the mat. Otherwise, you're going to get knocked out. Josh Alexander, Josh Barnett. There are so many different ways I could see the Neverweight title being taken as long as Ishii is champion. Yeah, the the only positive is if Evil wins this match, you have something to look forward to on night two, because Ishii is going to be pissed off and they are also in that six man against each other on night two and i one of my favorite ishii moments was when he comes out and he's with the mega coaches right and so you got Taguchi and you got rocky and they're trying to do all their signs and tell ishii what to do and ishii just marches to the ring and starts pulverizing people doesn't pay any attention to rocky (laughs) romero no attention to Taguchi and the signs he's just out to beat the snot out of evil I, I would look forward to that on night two. I would. 
again, as long as Ishii wins, and if it means Ishii versus Evil shortly after and Ishii regains the title, then I'll take that program too. But in my personal opinion, singles-wise, and Ishii deserves a big singles win at Wrestle Kingdom. I'm going with Ishii up for the win here. The last time he came in as a champ, singles champion was the British heavyweight champion, and he lost that to Zack Sabre Jr. back at uh, Wrestle Kingdom 13. I think Ishii deserves this. Yes, absolutely. Your sixth match on the card, IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships on the line. Yes. Your 91st Tag Team Champions, the Dangerous Techers, making their second defense, the team of Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. versus the World Tag League winners of 2021. Your, I can't believe I'm saying this. Your World <laughs> Tag League winners, Yoshi Bon Jovi and Roman Reigns. I mean, Hiroki Goto. <laughs> Uh, chaos goes nine and two during world tag league this year and yet the techers lead the series with these two teams head to head two matches to one what do you make of the team of hiroki goto and yoshi bon jovi i because i just i they've tried so hard over 2021 to rebuild yoshihashi and yoshihashi into his credit has really stepped up he keeps getting back up we're seeing all the potential that everybody talked about yoshihashi having you know nine years ago where it was like wow you know this kid he might be something oh yeah and his tag team partner okada that guy looks pretty good too yeah. yoshihashi was in that conversation and he's still yoshihashi has yoshihashi finally figured it out I think he's found his place and his comfort zone and maybe has peaked his potential when he finally received and earned his first piece of championship goal in New Japan for wrestling again, 12 years, he never died. And to Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goal's credit with the help of Ishii, they might have been really the best six-man never overweight tag team champions in this company's history. Agreed. I feel like Yoshihashi has found a comfort zone in tag team wrestling. That being said, he and Goldo, they have progressed together as a tag team, but I wouldn't say that those two alone are yet to be pointed as maybe these two can lead the division as tag team champions. This is now their second chance going after the tag team gold this year after that wild triple threat at MetLife Dome with Tetsuya Knight and Sonata. By the way, uh, Naito, Sonata versus Dangerous Tigers. What a freaking match that was. Right. And Didn't again, as coming? far yeah. As far as tag team of the year, for me in New Japan, it's definitely been Dangerous Tigers. I'm always Suzuki Goon Pro. That's my faction to follow, as you know. And overall, we've seen the growth of Taiji, and we've seen how incredible Zack Sabre Jr. has progressed as well, not just as a tag team specialist, but again, I thought he was going to take his block in the G1. But as far as this match goes, standard tag team match. This, of course, a revisit from the World Tag League, where I might add, believe it or not, Kodo and Yoshihashi did actually beat the champs, and that's really the whole reason why we got this match here in the first place because it was Tekka that said okay you beat us now you're darn sure best win this thing and they did they fulfilled their promise so here we are but as far as the tag tiles go do I look at history do I look at favoritism do I look at identity personally for me I believe the dangerous Tekkers are going to retain because it's the Tokyo Dome for Pete's sake yep. I mean last time we saw dangerous Tekkers come in as the champions they lost but that's a whole different story when your team you're facing is G-O-M F and D, who are looking for that first Wrestle Kingdom victory. I don't think history repeats here. I do have the tag champs retaining. But again, Yoshihashi, congratulations on reaching this point. I feel it's going to be a really good match, but I don't think it's chaos time in this duo to hold the tag gold yet. Yep, I, I'm with you. Um, and I like Goto in the tag division. 
because it keeps him out of, you know, any singles championship matches, which I just don't need to see. I mean, he's been synonymous with the Neverweight Championship to his credit. I think he's had it more times than anybody else. But again, short reigns. So if he is out of this, that's probably the highest you will ever see him. Let's talk about what I think is going to be the highlight of Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, because these two guys, they they the best of frenemies, I guess, is is the uh, proper terminology. The seventh match on the card, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship on the line. The 91st Junior Champion, El Desperado, making his first defense. I, I still do not, for the life of me, understand why they took the title off of him and put it on Robbie Eagles. I would have just let Despy run with the title all year versus your best of Super Junior 28 winner, Hiromu Takahashi, Hiromu, the first guy to win it back-to-back since Tiger Mask in 04 and 05. Uh, Noah, this series, 2-2-1, and this is some of the highest quality junior heavyweight wrestling that we have ever seen. Um, But I thought the most interesting thing that has come out of this most recent development was a quote from Hiromu the other day. Um, and, and I'm surprised every major news site didn't pick up on this because to me, this was big news. Hiromu said in an interview, but one thing is for sure for me, I've never planned on being a heavyweight and do not plan to now. With him, I'm not sure what he's thinking. So maybe our fates might change somewhere down the line. Hiromu is not moving up to heavyweight. This makes me very, very happy. I have been on the train that Hiromu can't move to heavyweight. Uh, he's already got the skinny fat thing going on. Like his frame <laughs> is just not built to put on another 20, 30 pounds to be a, a heavyweight wrestler. Um, I want Hiromu to be the next Jushin Thunder Liger. I want him to be that that transcontinental junior heavyweight that just changes the face of professional wrestling. I love Hiromu Takahashi. Despy has stepped up huge throughout the entire pandemic and really elevated himself to a main event junior talent. Uh, going back to best of super juniors last year and their final match, which was my match of the year for last year, absolutely incredible storytelling over an 11 year feud going back to the dojo. These two guys, absolutely incredible. I expect this will be the best match of Wrestle Kingdom night one and night two. I I can't freaking wait for this match. It is what Hiromu's desire is to one day have the junior heavyweights main event. Why can't they surpass what you have come to know in the likes of Shingo, Okada, Osprey, Kota Ibushi, Naito? Hiromu Takahashi is the guy that I truly believe will make sure that happens. And the fact that that did come out, like you said, during that press conference, which I did watch too in the English subtitles. Yes, I definitely uh, agree with Hiromu 100%. And honestly, we kind of got an idea how he can handle against a heavyweight. Remember that open weight New Japan Cup when he took on Tomo Ishii? He yeah. got dropped. He put up a hell of a fight. But no, Hiromu and heavyweight, I can't put in the same sentence. But he is personification of junior heavyweight division. He is the leader, the standard bearer right now for that entire division, bar none. And the fact that he was part of Jujin Funder Liger's retirement match, and again, he uttered those words, what you started, I will carry forward, I will elevate and evolve. 
And that was back at Wrestle Kingdom 14. Two years later, they are semi-main eventing night one. This is the match that used to be like in the middle of the card at one point. When you had likes of Rizushi Kaguchi and Kenny Omega. You had a crazy four-way with Hiromu, Osprey, uh, Skrull. You had standard bearers like Kashida and Taiji Ishimori. It was Hiromu, though, that pushed this division now to the point that it wants to be presented and it deserves to be presented in this spot, if not higher. I could not be more excited for this match. And then, as you said, with Desperado, even Desperado pointed out, I was not part of Liger's retirement match. I understand basically where I might be, and maybe I deserve to be there. But maybe I will break that stigma that others might think of me and what I think of myself. El Desperado right now is his own worst enemy, and he's out to prove a point. Like you said, he didn't expect to lose the title, and we also did not expect Robbie Eagles at one point to uh, win the title either. At one point, El Desperado held both titles in that division, the tag team and the junior heavyweight. Now he once again stands as junior heavyweight champion against, like you put poorly, there is that person in pro wrestling that everybody finds that just brings out the absolute best and worst in you. Example last year when he ripped the mask off of Desperado to show his real form. And Desperado's like, oh, you want the real me? Here you go. And they went to the longest match in Best of Super Juniors history, too. There's so many other things I can say about this match. But what it comes down to is Aromo Takahashi, since his return, each Wrestle Kingdom, he has won the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. In order for El Desperado to maybe surpass what Hiromu has started, El Desperado has to retain here, but can he? That is the ultimate question. And right now, Hiromu, like you said, he is that next transcending multi-continental talent that could take this division, this art form of wrestling, and what Liger started with the Super J Cup and so many other things to the next level. And I feel he has to do that as champion. I have Hiromu once again becoming the junior heavyweight champion. So do I. And... I want to see Hiromu in that main event spot. And we do we have to elevate the junior division in order to get it to that spot. The problem is Despi. Uh, yes. and, and it's no disrespect to El Desperado, but you no. need two main event talents to have a main event match. And Despi is just not portrayed inside of that kind of light. And just throughout the booking over the course of his career, I feel like in order for Hiromu to get to that main event spot, we need like a Ray Phoenix to come over. We need a, a Brian Danielson or the one that I can't wait. And it's going to happen. It, it has to happen is when, you know, New Pan, New Japan's long forgotten son, the man who shall not be named, the artist formerly known as Kushida, when yes. he returns to New Japan Pro Wrestling, Kushida versus Hiromu Takahashi is a main event match. That, that is the match right there that is worthy of closing. I mean, yeah. think about it. The last time you didn't have your World Heavyweight Championship match be your closer was when you had a double main event because of the names that were involved, and that was Shinsuke Nakamura and the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, over the Intercontinental Championship. Since then, every Wrestle Kingdom, and even once before that, it's always been about the top title. But what Hiromu has presented since his return. He definitely has proven, I feel to enough public fans' eyes, I don't know what's going on when it comes to the New Japan booking and official side in Shikabayashi, that they do deserve, especially we're going to keep doing this two-night extravaganza craziness, give them 
night give them night one or night two if you want to keep night one still about the IWGP heavyweight thing. Give them the main event spot because I feel that they deserve it. But as you said, and, and Desperado even talked about it, the biggest match he had this year was a nothing title match. He faced Kota Ibushi back at the anniversary show yep. and lost. That right there kind of tells you right there what pretty much El Desperado's spot kind of is in New Japan. I think El Desperado unfortunately sees that too. He's going to try again to push out that bubble come January 4th. I just don't think he can. Not I against Romu. And, and it sucks because I love Despy. I mean, the, the guy is just, he's fantastic. I, I've always thought he was great, but especially these last 18 months or so, Despy has just been on fire. Again, but, 12 years, finally got that title. And of course, with his tag partner, the heel master, Yoshinobu Kamaro, another great uh, junior uh, heavyweight, might I add, 20 plus years uh, in the game. Again, he's great tag team specialist, but Ellis Rado, lead of the division, he's been good, but Hiromu is just that better. It's just the star power. It's just the star power. It really is. <clears throat> Your main event of night one, IWGP World Heavyweight Championship oh, on the line. Your third champion making his fourth defense representing Los Ingobernables de Japón. That's another $50, Mr. Rhodes. Shingo uh, <laughs> Takagi takes on G131 Climax champion walking around with the V4. That's right. Daddy's home. Kazuchika Okada finds himself back in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. And Noah, it's time. It is time. I, You know, people look at Okada and they think of this long, dominant reigning champion. And they're right. He held that belt for 720 days. In a single reign. In a single reign, but that was like three years ago. And New Japan Pro Wrestling has kind of been in chaos since then. And I don't mean the faction. I mean, like, it, it, New Japan needs stability at the top of the card. And the stability is the rainmaker, the man who makes it rain money. But no, I, I watched the press conference, I watched the video package. Okada kind of seemed like he getting a little big for his big boy pants here. Did you notice this? Like the, the reason New Japan Pro Wrestling is on top is because of me. Like the reason that New Japan is, you know, putting butts in seats, it's it's because of me. And it's like, well, that's true, but to come out and say it like that, like kind of seemed like dickhead Okada. Yeah, it feels like Okada's almost like desperate to get back to that former glory. He even said that Shingo cannot lead us this anniversary. If it wasn't for me. New Japan would not be where it has been for the last 10 years. I am the mountain. I am that standard bearer. And ever since Wrestle Kingdom 14 Night 1, Okada has basically kind of been lost in the shuffle, trying to redefine himself and just been unable to. He is synonymous with that title, that run. More so, he's synonymous with the Raymaker Laird, even trying to change his offense to a degree. It was, you know, not working for him, and the fans could tell it wasn't working for them either. The thing about this whole thing, this comes down to three people, three of the greatest people New Japan Wrestling has ever had. Will Ospreay, Shingo Takagi, but Kasuchika Okada. Kasuchika Okada already has cemented himself in the books for all eternity at just his early 30s. You have Shingo Takagi, though, who we saw this guy first come into New Japan, dominate the junior heavyweight division, ascend to heavyweight. Wait, 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 wait. I still need Shingo to step on a scale. Because like when Shingo yeah. was in the best of Super Juniors, it was the <laughs> biggest crock of shit I ever saw. He was like 40 pounds heavier than everybody else in the tournament. Well, that would be kilograms, right? So how does that convert in the metrics? And what is the cutoff 
because I do agree with you on that. I was like, really? You started him off in this? But, Junior, but I digress. Huh? Junior. <laughs> okay. And, yeah, okay. Junior heavyweight. And then we finally saw Shingo get a chance for the top title. Lost to Osprey at Dantaku. Things happen. We got him versus Okada at Dominion. He beat Okada, became champion. Held it since. But, of course, we know Okada has beaten Shingo on other occasions. And the one thing that Okada has not hit Shingo with, which is the story of this match, in my opinion, is Okada's true Rainmaker. We've seen the spinning Rainmaker. We've seen singles Rainmaker. We've not seen Okada hit the Rainmaker on Shingo Takagi. That will be, in my opinion, the finishing point. Because as much as I believe in what Shingo Takagi represents with that spirit of the dragon, rise and f- like the mountain of Mount Fuji, there is that stability, that identity, that star power, that extendability of your company through the Rainmaker, Kasuchika Okada. I have him winning. Yeah, I mean, it, and when you look at night two, of course, night two, it's going to be Will Ospreay facing off with the winner of this match in the yes. main event. Um, so I think you're counting on a lot of walk-up traffic as well for night two, right? Like, because nobody knows what the main event is going to be. Okada and Osprey, there's so much history going back through chaos, the tag partners, the big brother, little brother, Okada, Osprey, when he turns, he turns on Okada, of course. Uh, I, I feel like Okada Osprey puts more butts in seats than Takagi and Osprey, even though Takagi Osprey may be the better actual match between the ropes. Yeah, and that's the thing. Again, you look at the identity. You look at that more recognizable face. When it comes to New Japan Pro Wrestling in this last decade, whether he's being a dickhead about it or not, he's not wrong. It's Kasuchika right. Okada. Yeah, I mean, he's absolutely right. I mean, and I, I'm going to be sitting down with Virtue at a certain point to do a, a, a debate as far Ooh. as who is more over Roman Reigns or Kazuchika Okada. And I, I mean, it seems like, you know, for people in the United States, Roman Reigns, clearly. Oh, really? W- w- was Roman Reigns asked to carry the Olympic torch for his country? Did, did Roman Reigns sit down, you know, with, with the president to discuss, you know, how to reopen venues? And I mean, like, Okada's a pretty big freaking deal. All right? Okada like, might as well <laughs> be running Japan at some point, it seems. He owns that country, not just as a professional wrestler, yeah. but as a mainstream identity. Roman Reigns doesn't own this country necessarily as that. He owns the WWE as that, but the WWE doesn't run this country. Darn sure not anymore with the rise of professional wrestling and all these other promotions working together and collaborating. And again, as far as Okada goes, he calls himself not G1 Climax winner. He calls himself G1 champion, which is another way he's trying to redefine, again, the identity of himself in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And while Shingo sees this as a phony belt, Okada sees this as symbolism because at the end of the day, he wants this back around him to represent what he and Kodabushi started two years ago because there's unfinished business with Okada and Kodabushi. And that's another thing to think about, too. Regardless, if we're wrong, uh, regardless of Wrestle Kingdom, Okada versus Abushi is going to be revisited under the highest yep. stakes possible. Because right now, besides Naito versus Okada, Ibushi versus Okada is probably the biggest money match New Japan Pro can book when you look at who they have on their roster. Yep, absolutely. And plus, if we can get rid of the IWGP Divas Championship, I'm totally down for that. Let's just bring back the version four. 
like, greatest belt of all time. And when Okada just brought that, even as a symbol, that just warmed my heart so darn much. I understand the humility and what Kotobushi wanted to try and do. In my opinion, what happened last year after Wrestle Kingdom, and even Naito said this, it was unnecessary. Yep. And it hurt Ibushi. In the eyes of the fans, it genuinely hurt Ibushi. I, it also I hurt Ibushi genuinely himself because, again, yeah. he couldn't get through one defense of that. The pressure was too much to bear. Osprey clocked him. Let's go to night two. Your first matchup on night two, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. Imagine that. The Junior Tag Team Championship leading off the Wrestle Kingdom. Like, that never happens, except, you know, every year. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not saying. <laughs> and usually it is under triple threat rules. How ironic. Your 68th champions, the Flying Tigers, the team of Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask. I'm so happy to see Tiger Mask. Number one, back in the ring after the diverticulitis thing. And number two, back inside of a prominent spot because I've missed Tiger Mask inside of that kind of role against the mega coaches with a seemingly maybe heel Ryusuke Taguchi. I mean, like, which, okay. And, and Rocky Romero versus Bullet Club's cutest tag team. <laughs> the team of El Phantasmo and Taiji Ishimori. Uh, Noah, the only thing you can count on at Wrestle Kingdom is that the junior tag team championships are going to change hands. Like, they are going to change Pretty hands. much. I mean, it's going to happen. Uh, so you have your choice of the mega coaches or the Bullet Club cutest tag team. I, I think I got to go with El Phantasmo and Ishimori in this one. Uh, jeez. It's one of those things where, yeah, it's pretty synonymous that these tiles are going to change hands. You look at the history of the IWGP Junior Heavy Tag Team Championships, whether a standard tag team match or multiple tier tag team match like a triple threat, they've changed hands. The question is, how? The biggest thing coming out of this match is everybody wants to expose El Fantasmo's sudden death. Will this be the night that actually happens? That's a whole different question. As far as the mega coaches, they have been looking for that glory, particularly Rocky Romero, just to hold IWGP junior heavyweight gold of some sort. And then Taguchi, the coach, again, Kimbon style, funky weapon, and now kind of being the fool according to his entrance, he might be adopting a bit of a more sneaky persona. Whether that, that's Rocky influence, you tell me. But looking at this, we've seen El Fantasmo and Tajimori have these towels before, and we saw how they lost it at MetLife Dome when literally that boot broke El Desperado's hands, and Suzuki Goon once again became IWGP Derby Tag Team Champions. Why I feel that it is inevitable, do you revisit it with the same team, or do you make history here and give it to the mega coaches? This match is kind of odd here because we know it's going to change, but honestly, I'm not sure which way it's going to go. But I think just because they're probably going to, I don't know how much longer they can drag this boot thing out. Surprise how long it has been. It's I'm actually going to go with ridiculously long time. God, it's the longest mystery in pro wrestling since I don't know when. Where's vacant? That's the other mystery. <laughs> and with Rocker and Mail still doing stuff across strong and AEW, I don't think it's the coach's time yet. I have Bullet Club getting them back. Let's move on to your stardom match. It's the second match on the show. That's right. Yes. We're not dark this time. I like it. Yes. Starlight Kid and Mayu Iwatani take on the team of Tam Nakano and Saya Kamatani. I really just want to do Tommy versus Shiri. Um, let alone, let alone the matchup that they have booked here. Starlight Kid and Mayu Iwatani might be the feud of the year in all of professional wrestling. 
On the other side, you have Tam Nakano, who just lost the Wonder of Stardom Championship to Sayakamatani last week. I mean, I'm happy. This is the first time in 20 years that we are going to have a women's match inside of a New Japan ring on the main card inside of the Tokyo Dome. I'm ecstatic about that. But they literally drew straws to see who was going to be in this match. I mean, <laughs> I want better. I want better. Like, this should be fantastic. But I expect better. Yeah, again, it's like you and I talked about. So far since they've actually shown stardom on New Japan World for everybody to see, not just in a dark fashion, it has been under tag team scenarios. And frankly, each match we've seen on New Japan has been particularly with Saya Kamatani. She has been always part of these matters. So that tells me right there two things. One, she's going to be a major, no pun intended, star in stardom. Maybe World Stardom Champion, just saying. And two, New Japan really believes in her as well, and she must gravitate to New Japan's audience. But that being said, you have four factions represented here. You have Stars, Oedo Tai, you have Cosmic Angels, and you have Queen's Quest. We just saw Tam and Saya at Queendom literally give us a banger of a match. And again, respect found, but former champion, now with new champion. And then you have, like you said, the field of the year. Starlight Kid, the brightest star ever. And might I add, the first ever future of Stardom champion. Turned to the dark side when she became forced part of a tie. And then basically, um, uh, what was it? I'm going to screw up the name. Back. Yeah, pretty much. She went bad. I was, I was trying to figure out the name that gave her that mask and tell her you had to go along with this. And then, progressively at first, she went against it. But since then, she has become a top-tier star mainstay, current high-speed champion, and she even turned Momo Watanabe, and I still can't believe she turned. Uh, that being said, I look at this match, and I figure about, oh, it'll tie. does not work well with fighters outside their factions. No. But this is also, if we have the ace of New Japan, Hiroshi Tanahashi, that is the icon of stardom, Mayu Itami. I feel like because she might be the more recognizable name in all of Japan, that Starlight Kid and Mayu are going to get the win. But I do hope, again, whether it's Dominion, Dontaku, give me a singles match. It doesn't have to be champion if you don't want to do that too soon. But stardom deserves a great singles showcase on New Japan Pro Wrestling's major stage or show. If you don't do it at some point this year, it darn sure better happen at Wrestle Kingdom 17. But for now, I got the icon and the dark star winning this match. I'm going the other way. I'm going to say that uh, SLK walks out on Mayu during this match because either that or she takes her out with a chair or something, right? <laughs> like, I, I feel like because you're right, Oedo Tai should not want Mayu to win this match. Like, it's just out of character for Oedo Tai. Right. Um, that, and I've always hashtag Team Tam. Love me some Tam Nakano. Uh, I, I just think Tam is absolutely incredible, and I know that her career is going to be kind of winding down here. Um, are you a little surprised to not see Julia represented, that there's no DDM presence inside of this match? I mean, DDM such a huge part of stardom at this point. Why would you leave them out? Like, I, I almost feel like, like, Oedo Tai is the one that should be left out of this every year because they're the bitches of stardom like stardom doesn't even want a way to tie around right because they refuse to do interviews they're just they're rude to everybody they're just constant tom fuckery like a way to tie should be the ones on the outside looking in here no julia really 
Yeah, they're the Renegades. It's a weird fashion. Again, we saw what happened at Stardom when uh, Mama Watanabe was in that tag match. She literally kicked her own partner's head, laughed about it, and walked off. That being said, Mayu Itami, who knows? You never count out that strong spirit. Again, maybe she overcomes uh, the odds. But as far as uh, this identity goes, yeah, it's weird not seeing Don Del Mundo here. We saw the likes of uh, Micah, who, might I add, I think she's the strongest in Stardom. That girl can do some stuff. And we also had Lady C ha had her uh, first um, ex ex um, you know, exhibition. And she's not even part of anything yet. You figure they would want to show her off more and maybe, okay, who does she identify with, as we uh, talked about uh, earlier? And, again, it's a weird situation right now with the fact that they're just booked off random straws. It almost feels like, to me, this match, they want to be an identity match about who's in stardom, what they represent, what they can do, and who should you look out for and watch out for, too. And I feel this match is going to at least show that. It's a weird situation. And, by the way, tough break for the girl because there was five of them that drew the blank straw. Uh, do you make anything out of it being these four? Like... Is Starlight Kid kind of the de facto leader of Oedo Tai at this point? I mean, Mayu clearly is the leader of Stars. Tam clearly the leader of Cosmic Angels. Momo was the leader of Queen's Quest. Like, am I to believe that Sayakamatani is now like the the head of Queen's Quest? I mean, she did just win the championship off of Nakano, who represents a different faction that she started herself outside of Star. So I think there is some truth to that. We might be looking at literally the so-called leaders of four key fashions in stardoms. And again, the only one you don't have showcase here is Tokyo Cyber Squad, Donna uh, Damundo. So I think we're literally looking at basically who you need to watch out for in stardom when it comes to faction warfare maybe dictating the draft maybe dictating okay you lose your match you lose to me or this person goes here or you risk a person because that's the stardom way for those that follow stardom uh like us to a degree and again myla tommy she's been through it all she's been through betrayal she's been through loss she's been through friends gain and friends um you know lost as well so i mean this to her though it feels like a rabbit that's going to go on forever but as far as her and starlight kid goes you can't deny they do have great chemistry when it comes to wrestling so I'm very curious what this uh, leads to, but also who else rises in stardom? Where does uh, Lady uh, C go to um, as well? It's a weird thing right now. This is literally a leadership showcase match, and here I thought Asume was the leader of Queen's Quest in the meantime. Right, and, and, and it's also interesting for Oedo Tai with Natsuko Tora kind of still on the on the sidelines. She kind of yes. handed things off to Konami, who has now stepped away. So it's like, what what's the status with Oedo Tai? What happens when Tora comes back? Is she? I mean, like there, there's all kinds of fun stuff going on. They're just they're just a corpse right now. I mean, Oedo Tai has not had a true long term leader since Kogetsu. Yeah, yeah, and in the meantime, Hazuki's over in Stars. Like exactly what? <laughs> That's crazy. Stardom, Stardom constantly changes the narrative, but at least they keep up with one thing, and that is incredible professional wrestling. Absolutely. The third match on the card will be your KOPW 2022 four-way match. Of course, we don't know the participants, so we can't really talk about it, but Yano probably wins. Back fourth, <laughs> your fourth match on the card, IWGP Never Six-Man Championships, the 22nd champions the House of Torture, the team of show, Yujiro, and Evil take on the Chaos team of Yo, Yoshi Bon Jovi, and Hiroki Goto. Um, I mean, I, I feel like regardless of how this goes, I'm, I'm just going to be disappointed because I don't like this Chaos team. I, I, I just, I, I mean, 
Yoshi Bon Jovi, Goto, and Ishii? Okay, but you're, you're going to replace Ishii with Yo? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not here for that. And then, of course, you've got Sho Yujiro and Evil on the other side. I mean, I guess just keep it with House of Torture if you're going to try to make that a thing. Yeah, if they're going to try and push this House of Torture thing forward, it feels like, and Evil loses the Neverwhere Blade, maybe that's why Ishii isn't involved in this match either. It feels like that Bullet Club is going to keep these sets of tiles. Last time Bullet Club had these tiles, they had them for less than a day. So maybe this is like, you know, a bit of a, you know, redemption story for Bullet Club actually being six men away champs for a longer period of time, maybe two days. But that being said, as soon as I saw that Yo was part of this Chaos Trio, that's when I knew, because eh. like I said, the Immortal Six Men Everweight Champions will always be for me, Goto, Yoshihashi, shout out to Bon Jovi, dead or alive, and uh, Tomer Ichii, because those three brought it every time, whether it was facing internally with Chaos, or LIJ, or Bullet Club, or even Suzuki Goon at one point. The V9, man, nine successful defenses. No one's going to surpass that. And this impromptu setup of Yo inside here, okay, now you're telling me you really don't have anything for Yo, and that almost makes me question, okay, do you know what you want to do with Yo yet or not, or is Yo just here? Again, I feel the bigger focus out of the two is Sho. So, yeah, I got Bullet Club retaining these here, unfortunately. Your fifth matchup is the Battle of the Greats, as Billy Ray Valentine would tell you. It's the Great oh. Sonata taking on the Great Ocon. Uh, Noah, th- this match is just kind of here for me. You know, like, I, I'm, I'm not into Great Ocon. I understand why, why they're doing the gimmick. I understand, you know, that it's very cultural. Um, but he just, he doesn't do a whole lot for me as a talent. And, you know, I think everything I just said about Great Ocon is kind of where I'm at with Sonata. Like, I, I jumped mm-hmm. off of the Sonata train a long time ago to, to you know, Billy Ray Valentine's great disgruntlement. But <laughs> I just, I, I don't see, like, this is going to be Sonata forever. Yeah, it's one of those fans where people, I think, want, the fans want Sonata to maybe get to that next level, think he can. But the closest he got was G1 Climax. And he lost. And then he had a rematch with that very same guy with the title on the line. And he lost. The last major win he really got was over his former tag partner, Evil, at Wrestle Kingdom last year. It feels like Wrestle Kingdom right now for these soft single spots is going to be Sonata's turf. Because Great Khan last year, Wrestle Kingdom debut, he took on the ace, Rossi Tanahashi. Pretty good match, too. But lost that as well. Great Khan is a great worker. I feel he has potential, but I'm not sure right now where he resides in the New Japan environment besides a member of the United Empire. So now on the other hand, you get the singles win. You get the shout-out from Alano Collection AT. He does the uh, Muda Muzat. Uh, great shout-out to, of course, his uh, leaders. I feel Sonata is going to take this. It's just right now Sonata is there, and I feel he's still figuring out himself. But at the end of the day, Sonata is going to win wrestle and be his own man his way one of the tag teams that i really like looking into 2022 is the united empire team of great ocon and jeff cobb like i i like those two guys together we get to see jeff cobb in your next matchup taking on ironically enough sonata's tag team partner <laughs> Tetsuya naito um now i i'm gonna make this a little bit sweeter for you noah because what i would do okada wins night one wins the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, throws the Divas belt in the trash, Medusa style. And so we're back to the version four. So for the sixth match of night two, you know what I want? 
I want Tetsuya Naito to come walking out, dragging the Intercontinental title, and say, yes. you know what? This matchup is for this worthless belt. And I mean, let's just go back to it. I want Tetsuya Naito versus the Intercontinental Championship. It was my feud of the year a couple of years back. <laughs> I mean, let, let's bring it back. I am here for it. And if we're going to bring it back, that means Jeff Cobb has to beat Tetsuya Naito and take the Intercontinental Championship at Wrestle Kingdom because it's the only way to properly restart the lineage. Again, we need the Intercontinental Championship back for so many reasons. I love that booking idea. And I do agree with you that Jeff Cobb needs to win here. What's funny here is Tetsuya Naito, he was involved in the uh, G1, and he and Jeff Cobb, they never met up. And we've seen now Tetsuya Naito being all tranquilo, pushing Jeff Cobb to the point that I kind of respect what you're about, man. But at the end of the day... I'm now going to destroy you. And Jeff Cobb, to me, they pushed him to the limit in the G1. They clearly want to push this man to the highest echelon in New Japan for wrestling. If you could somehow bring back the Intercontinental Championship, put it on that man immediately and have him run with it, maybe as long as he did with the Ring of Honor Television Championship, which he was virtually undefeated for. So, yeah, Jeff Cobb, in my opinion, kind of needs the win here. While Sonata's just that guy that right now is going to keep doing his own thing, Naito's always going to be tranquilo. He's already made history. He's already had the Tokyo Dome main event. It's time for Jeff Cobb now to step up to the plate if he can eventually hit that spot himself. It starts with this match here. Yep, absolutely. I just I want to see Naito drag the Intercontinental title all the way down the ramp at Wrestle Kingdom. One more time. Yes. And then just slam it against the stairs. Because, yeah, again, throw it into the ring again oh, back at the Wrestle Kingdom I watched, that Wrestle Kingdom in particular is the reason why to see a Naito will always have that pure hatred for that belt of pure white. Yep. It's fantastic. Love it. I love it. Love it. Seventh match on the show, IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship on the line. And I tell you what, this is this is where I wish Jeff Cobb was. I wish Jeff Cobb was taking this title because I would love to see him as the U.S. holder. Uh, yes. But at the, this current moment in time, it is Kenta running around with the IWGP U.S. title. His first defense against the former champion, Hiroshi Tanahashi. These two... Five singles matches at this point. Kenta leading the series three matches to two. Noah, what do you think? Is this going to be Kenta over Strong? Or does the ace rise from the ashes and recapture the U.S. title, finally leading to that matchup that we all want, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus John Moxley? It really comes down to what New Japan wants to do, why they continue to work, it seems even more and more with AEW, and why Hiroshi Tanahashi versus John Moxley is a match, no doubt, waiting to happen. Kenta went over a year just to challenge for this and had a short loss with John Moxley as well. And we've seen also Tanahashi said, I promise to come back after he won the title of Lance Archer, Back at Resurgence. Now Tanahashi has to go beyond his wrestling game and resort to the same tactics, if not lower, to beat Kenta. Will we see Exposed Steel once again come into play here? And again, Kenta is one of those that is so just synonymous with Noah and New Japan Pro Wrestling, etc. In a way, there's history where either of these men could come over here to the States and defend that title on multiple turfs. It comes down to what match you want first and where. The bigger match for me, though, is John Moxley versus Tanahashi on the AEW stage. So just looking towards that future, I had Tanahashi pulling it out. After all, it is the Tokyo Dome. It's the Aces' domain. 
Yeah, I just I can't see the A's losing in the dome. I just in a championship match, Tanahashi, Tokyo Dome. I mean, it's it's like Cody Rhodes wrestling on Christmas in the main event of the Greensboro Coliseum <laughs> for a championship. Of course he's gonna win. Of course he is. <laughs> I mean, come on, of course he is. Like the only thing that'd be better is if he had a Noki ringside to present him with the championship. Yes, exactly. Because you know, like, he was a huge part of the age of Enochiism. So your main event, night two. Noah, we have reached the end. It will either be Kazuchika Okada. It's going to be Okada. Or Shingo Takagi <laughs> taking on the kingpin, the douchebag of douchebags, the Versace wearing Will Ospreay with his version of the IWGP Divas Championship. Um I'm, I'm looking forward to this, regardless of which way it goes. I mean, Shingo and Osprey will be a fantastic match. Okada and Osprey has all the history to pull from. It's going to be Okada versus Osprey. But, <laughs> I mean, the chemistry between Osprey and Okada and their styles is so great because Osprey is the only guy on the roster that can do a backflip out of a freaking Rainmaker. Um, this will be incredible. But I'm I'm still going with the Rainmaker standing tall at the end of the night, waiting for the Golden Star to come and issue his challenge. Regardless, whether it's Shingle versus Osprey or Okada versus Osprey, Kota Ibushi is waiting for that guy to hold the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. That being said, Osprey and Okada goes back to Rep Pro, where literally it was Okada that brought Osprey here in the first place. And since Shingo Takagi has graced us on New Japan Pro Wrestling, constant bangers with both men, including, like I said, just this year at Dontaku with Will Osprey for that gold as well. While Osprey is the guy here that has one key thing over both. Unpinned, unsubmitted, undefeated as champion. Uh, that being That's said, great again. Osprey impression, man. That's a great Osprey. Uh, uh, try. <laughs> that, that, that being said, again, this is the 50th year. Who do you have going into it, carrying it? And who faces Kodabushi at the new beginning? Out of all the combinations here, of all three of those matches, again, it goes back to what I think is the biggest one that still has that unfinished business. It has to be Okada. Again, he beat Will Ospreay last year at, I think people remember that match more than freaking Jay White and Kota Ibushi. Or, or Naito versus Ibushi. And, and Naito Ibushi was on the same night. It was literally before that. When it comes to Okada and Osprey, it is always must-see because they gel so incredibly. We saw freaking... Okada get caught out of midair in a sit-out powerbomb one point by Osprey. Who knows what this crazy man is going to try and do this year against the Rainmaker? And clearly, that's the guy I feel Osprey wants to. I got the Rainmaker taking all of Wrestle Kingdom and restoring balance and order to New Japan Pro Wrestling too. Whether or not he's allowed to bring back the V4, that's a prayer, but we'll have to wait and see. But I have the Rainmaker once again back where he belongs. The man who makes it rain money once again stands atop of the New Japan Mountain for both myself and Mr. Noah Foster. Noah, that brings us to the end of the show. Man, this was a really, really fast hour and 20 minutes, man. This was a great <laughs> conversation. I'm so happy we got to sit down and do this. Uh, tell people what you got going on. Plug the social media. I, the No DQ review. Tell everybody everything. It'd be my absolute pleasure, and I'd love doing this. Anytime I got a Big Japan show, review or New Japan stuff, and I'm available, trust me, bro, I'm all in, too. Uh, that being said, folks, 
Find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, at EdFoster1916. Find me also, of course, with NoDQ, whether it's review, prediction panels, prediction leagues, too. You can find them also on those same social media handles as well. I'll be with the Jeff Meacham Network doing commentary and live reactions for Hard to Kill. And once Wrestle Kingdom concludes, there may be a simple take for slash review on my YouTube channel, too. And my ATW crew might even do a podcast preview of Wrestle Kingdom as well. As always, folks, I wish to encourage you to just enjoy life and enjoy professional wrestling. And Happy New Year to all of you. You know, I'm, 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 I, there is, is one thing about you, Noah, that kind of bugs me. And I, I, I just have this feeling that Big Ray Hernandez might be your dad. <laughs> oh, God rest my father, Willie G. Foster, been gone for 12 years. I assure you that's not the case. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. There's, 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 this, there's something to this. It's an investigation for 2022. Good luck. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's edition of Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button and then toss us one of those five-star reviews. Help us out in the algos. Destino is brought to you by our friends over at atmarkmedia.com, the Hami Media Group at channelattitude.com, the PW Hustle Network, the Pro Wrestling Coalition, and of course, ndpw.com. Find the show online at destinopod.com and across social media at destinopod. Keep up with me at my new website, michaeljargo.com. Very special thanks to Noah Foster for joining me on the Wrestle Kingdom Preview Edition. I will be back in your ear holes soon to review Wrestle Kingdom, hopefully with Billy Ray Valentine, 8-Track Brown, and making his return to Destino, Mighty Joe Warren. Until then, you can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, via Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, or iHeartRadio. Enjoy Wrestle Kingdom, ladies and gentlemen. It's the best time of the year. I will be back in your ear holes soon with an all-new episode of Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. Matane. <laughs>